In the Old Testament, the prophet Amos is given a terrible vision. God gives him a vision that he is to give to the people. He's a, as far as we know, he's a simple shepherd, a herdsman, as the scripture says in the beginning of Amos. But he's given this vision to pass along, and there's something that's unique about Amos and his book. There is no hope in it. It's all pretty much doom and gloom. If you ever get a chance, go and read through it. It won't make you feel a whole lot better about your world or life, but that's pretty much the way it is. Regardless, forget about that for a second. I think there are great lessons that we can learn from Amos and from the people of Israel and what they were going through and what they had done and what God was telling them. So I want us to listen to Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 9 in the message translation. And this is what it says. It says, My master God showed me this vision, a bowl of fresh fruit. He said, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A bowl of fresh fruit, fresh ripe fruit. God said, Right, so I'm calling it quits with my people Israel. I'm no longer acting as if everything is just fine. The royal singers will wail when it happens. My master, God, said so. Corpses will be strewn here and there and everywhere. Hush! Listen to this. You who walk all over the week, you who treat poor people as less than nothing, who say, when's my next paycheck coming? so I can go out and live it up. How long till the weekend when I can go out and have a good time? Who give little and take much and never do an honest day's work. You exploit the poor, using them, and then when they're used up, you discard them. God swears against the arrogance of Jacob. I'm keeping track of their every last sin. God's oath will shake earth's foundations, dissolve the whole world into tears. God's oath will sweep in like a river that rises, flooding houses and lands, and then recedes, leaving behind a sea of mud. On Judgment Day, watch out. These are the words of God, my Master. I'll tell you something. As I said, that's a terrible way to open a sermon. I remember taking preaching and worship class in seminary, and if I'd opened up with this scripture, I would have been dinged on my grade. In fact, probably if I had preached on this scripture at all, I'd have been, been hit pretty hard. It's just not encouraging and uplifting. But Amos had a very important message for the people of Israel during his time. He was telling them that God, all along, from the very beginning that they become a people, that God had asked them to take care of one another. That God had asked them, not only asked them, but given them a responsibility to take care of the least of one another. The poor, the hopeless, the homeless, the helpless, the marginalized. 
that God had given them that responsibility. And not only had they not done it, they were actually intentionally taking advantage of these people. And God is livid with these people. They were failing. They were failing miserably to let their light shine to their brothers and sisters and others. That story in Ames reminds me of a movie that I saw years ago. It's called The Second Chance. It's about two pastors, Pastor Ethan and Pastor Jake. Pastor Ethan is a white pastor at a at a suburban, you know, very white, uh, upper and middle class church. And Pastor Jake is a black pastor at a urban, mostly black church in the in the inner city, in what some people would still call the ghetto or the hood. And it talks about the interaction that these two churches have, but mostly the interaction that the two pastors, Pastor Ethan and Pastor Jake, have. Well, back at the suburban upper-class, middle-class church, the pastor uh, is is Pastor Ethan's father. And he's getting ready to retire, and everyone, including the father, has been preparing Ethan, Pastor Ethan, to be the next pastor. But the only problem is that he's young, he's talented, he's a little cocky in some people, in fact, in many people's eyes, and they think that he needs an attitude check. And so they send him down to the urban church, to Second Chance, to serve with Pastor Jake for a while until he gets his attitude back in check and he will allow the board to do whatever they want to do. Interesting story, and I encourage you to watch it if you ever get a chance. I think I still have it on DVD if you have a DVD player. But anyway, he's going down there, and I, I remember his like second day that, that he's there. That morning he walks in, and I think he has a tiff with Pastor Jake. And, and Pastor Ethan and Pastor Jake, they walk outside, and they're talking to the groundskeeper or somebody there that's working on a sign in front of the church. And and basically, Pastor Ethan, the white pastor, he's kind of just done with it. And he says, all right, just show me where my office is. And Pastor Jake kind of looks at him like, you want to see where your office is? He said, carry one of these and gave him a, a bag full of lunch bags, and they went walking. They walked all through the neighborhood. They checked on people. They talked to homeless people. They went in and checked on people that weren't doing well. They went to the park where they were feeding the hungry. And basically by the end of the day, they come back and Pastor Jake's nice BMW has been vandalized. But the, the really the point of the story is that Pastor Ethan, when he was there at Second Chance, he wouldn't have an office. 
that if in fact if he had an office at all, it was out on the streets. It was with the people. Pastor Jake's message to Ethan was, let your light shine. Don't just keep it to yourself or to the people who already have so much, but let your light shine to the world in need. Let me ask you a question. Think back to all the sermons you've heard, to all the Sunday school lessons and small groups you've been to, to all the sermons, to all the prayers, all the hymns you've sung, everything. Where did it tell us about Jesus' office? Where was Jesus' office? If he had one at all, it was out with the people. If he had one it would, at all, it was, it was on the cross, dying for all of us, to show us the ultimate sacrifice and love. Jesus knew that he had this light and that he was not to keep that light to himself. He was to go out and to let it shine in the world. And that is exactly what he did. And that's what he asked his disciples to do. And that is what he is still asking us to do. There's a scripture that I think I've preached on twice since I've been here in the last 11 and a half years. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16, and I'm going to read from the NRSV so it sounds familiar for you. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others. I tell you, Jesus couldn't have been clearer, I don't think. Jesus was saying, get out there. Be a light to the world. You may not be able to do much. You may not have many resources. You may not have a lot of money. But get out there and be the light of the world. I have come as the light and I have given you hope and light. And now you are to take that and go out into the world. So here's my challenge. Go out and be the light to the world.
And I want to say this first because I think this is important. This is an extremely good and loving church. Anytime I've ever needed something, people have been there. When I've moved, when I've been sick, no matter what, people have been there. And I know that the same has been true for others of you. When I've asked you to help people in the church and do things, you have been there. So my encouragement to you is, is not to start to do something necessarily. Well, if you, feel, if you feel like, if you evaluate your life and you think about it, and you feel like I'm not doing anything, or I'm not doing enough, or I could do more, or I'm just scared to step forward, take that leap of faith and be the light of the world. But also realize that we are doing a lot. We just want to be the light of the world. So here's my challenge to you. I don't know if this is just a coincidence or, or God speaking to us and giving us a challenge. When I was writing this sermon, I got a sticky note from Paula when I got back to the office. And she asked me to call a woman named Trina at a hospice in Roanoke. And in case you don't know, some hospices, you know, they, they might be located in Roanoke or Lynchburg or somewhere else, but they still have patients in Franklin County and Rocky Mountain, Ferrum and Glade Hill and Redwood. And this woman, I called her back and asked her what I could do for her. And she said that they were looking for volunteers. And they were looking for volunteers to go and to sit with patients, to help them out, whether it was for half an hour or half a day, and that if people didn't feel comfortable with that, to come and, and share their gifts and work in the office a little bit every now and then. So I just want to throw that out there to you. I'll email that out to you. But also, if you want to do it, let me know, and I will set you up with them. Get out there and be the light of the world. I tell you, I know a lot of times I encourage you and I give you challenges and, and I try to motivate you to do things with your faith and with the sermon, but I'm going to join you. I'm going to do something too. I told you that Jesus had no office. In the movie that we talked about, Pastor Jake was telling Pastor Ethan that he had no office. So for next week, I will have no office. I will not be here um, unless someone asks me to meet with them and specifically request to meet here at the office. I will come for that and then I will leave. Um, that's the miracle of 2022 is that I can work from anywhere with a cell phone and a laptop. So just let me know of anything you need. I'll be in touch with Paula. But I will be out working, serving in the community, being with people, trying my best to be the light of Christ to the world. This is something that I've never done so intentionally, and I'm kind of excited about it. And I know that I have the luxury of time, that this is my job, that I can go out and do this. 
But to be fair, I'll go out and I'll take my day off and I'll also spend some time doing this. That way you folks know that I know you do your work and you have your job. I, I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll do my job and then on top of that, I will still continue to be the light of the world, however I can do that this week. And I'll come back the next week and I'll report to you what I've done. So that's something for us to be working on, a goal. I find it interesting that Proverbs chapter 3 is always known for verses 5 and 6. Lean not on your understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart, or something like that. But if you keep on reading and you get to verse 27, it says, Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time, or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in your pocket. God is asking us to do the same thing. Do it now. Reach out to our neighbors who need us, who need our help and who need our love. Be the light of Christ to the world. In 1995, on January 25th, there was a British merchant vessel, the SS Lima, and it was sailing through the Indian Ocean. And some of the sailors started to notice that there was some light shining in the water around the ship. And as the ship went on longer and longer, the water got brighter and brighter until eventually the whole ship was surrounded by bright, brilliant light. And they didn't know what was going on, but stories like this have been told by sailors and by mariners for hundreds and hundreds of years. Legends and myths had been created as to what it was, but no one knew. Science had never been able to see it or prove it. And so they were able to capture it. And scientists started looking into it. And they used telescopes from space. And they were able to figure out that indeed there was this glowing mass in the ocean. And it went on for 110 miles. They still didn't know what it was. So marine biologists went and started studying it. And eventually they were able to conclude that it was simply bioluminescent bacteria that had all gathered together in one place. You know, here's what's really interesting. One bioluminescent bacteria, just one, can't be seen by the human eye. It doesn't put off another, enough light to, to shine on anything, really. It helps, but it's not overwhelming. But if you, if you put them all together, and they become one body, 
suddenly telescopes from hundreds and hundreds of miles away in space can see them. I thought that was an amazing story of what we can do as people of faith. That we too can gather together and our light might shine and you might not be able to do as much as you had hoped. But when we come together as the body of Christ, we can shine brightly and do some miraculous things in our world. Friends, don't leave the candles inside the cathedrals. Amen.